every year we've been growing a lot uh, and but nothing compared to the growth we experienced during COVID, you know the start of covid so we went from helping 7000 pet owners in a year to more than 20000 hi i'm isabel gulo and you're entering a world gone good Well, hello, my name's Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light and or find the light in the darkness to prove this world of ours isn't as god-awful as social media wants us to believe. Yes, you can quote me on that. You can help spread the good by sharing our show and subscribing to it, rating and reviewing every time you do any and all of these options, another podcast angel gets his download Or, well, at least this one does, and you want me to have a merry podcast, don't you? Someone ring a little bell somewhere like that movie. What's it called again? Oh, yeah, Rosemary's Baby. I'm in a mood, people. I'm in a mood. Listen, if this is your first time tuning in and you were expecting your seventh grade history teacher to bore you with good news, you have come to the wrong place. We have fun here at World Gone Good. Just ask any of the previous victims. I mean listeners. I'm telling you, I'm in a mood. I am in a mood. So here's something that's not exactly a secret. You people love animals as much as I love animals. How do I know this? Because our three top downloaded and listened to episodes of all time are all animal related. Yeah, I am looking at you, Vintage Pet Rescue, and you, Rescue Queen Angela Aiden, and especially you, Ellie Lax at the Gentle Barn. Animals, especially our pets, deliver us unconditional love and affection. They shower our lives with kisses and clumps of fur in the corners of every room and dander that makes us sick, and we just love them just the same, right? I mean, I told you I'm in a mood. Isabel Gulu is with us, and she is on Team Animals along with us. She is the co-founder of Care for Paws, and this is her good. Well, it's a long time coming because we met quite a while ago, I think, at some coffee when I first moved to town. I know. It's been a few years. It's kind of crazy. So here's the first rapid fire question that they would ask you if you were on 2020 or 60 Minutes. Isabel, (laughs) what was your first pet? My first pet was a little doxy, and that was back in Sweden. I I grew up in Sweden, so I had a little doxy, and he was kickum. Is, was, was that his name? Yeah, her name. Yeah, her name was Kit Gun. Which? What does that mean? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, maybe something to do with being very little. She was tiny. Uh, I remember that. And who knows? My mom named her uh, before I was born, so I can't really tell you. Wow. Uh, yeah, because we had a little um, Karen Terrier, and my aunt named her Smidgen because she was so small. <laughs> <laughs> and um and nobody my aunt bought this dog as a great aunt of ours and she bought the dog and then she hated the dog because the dog was really mean so she gave them, <laughs> gave the dog to my mom to bring home to us because our dog had died and so my mom brings home this like mean like we used to have this big <laughs> lab and my mom brings home this tiny mean dog and, <laughs> and she lived like 13 or 14 years and she was just mean i was i know this is terrible this is not how we want to start the show we talk about good things okay so wait a minute you grew up <laughs> in sweden 
I did. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had that little dog, uh, Kick Gum, and I was devastated when she passed away. Uh, I was still really young then. And, and then we bought, you know, in Sweden, it's a little different. Like a lot of people buy purebred dogs and they don't spay or neuter really, maybe more now, but not when I was growing up. So we bought this purebred Irish setter and I owned like the two rear legs basically. And then my brother owned a leg and my <laughs> my, my, my sister owned a leg and my mom maybe the head I'm not sure but I was main res- the I was mainly the one responsible for her her name was Fancy <laughs> oh, well, that's perfect and how long did you live in Sweden so I grew up there and then I moved to the United States when I was 19 to be an au pair wow okay wait a minute but you speak Swedish then I do yeah my whole family is Swedish so everybody's over there I was I was kind of the person that needed to get away and do something different. How would you say, um, hi, I'm Isabel, and you're entering a world gone good in Swedish? Uh, oh, my Swedish is uh, it's pretty good still, but okay, so jag heter Isabel Gulla. Okay, let's see. Du går in i en bad som har blivit bra. I don't think that's how you would say it. My mom and dad would laugh at me right now, but... <laughs> So let's not let's not play this for them. <laughs> no, this part they're not allowed to listen to. But I love that. Now you moved to the United States when you're 19 to become an au pair. Where? What city did you land in? I landed in Santa Barbara. Oh, but nice. I was going to uh, Miami because I had a crush on Don Johnson from Miami Vice. Oh so. my god. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to go there, and then I was. Uh, I was working at the post office and sorting mail. And this, there was this envelope going to a girl I went to high school with and she was in Santa Barbara and I wrote on the envelope. This is for, for computers and self, you know, all that. And I just wrote on there, like, find me an au pair family. And then a month later she called and said, I have a family. Are you coming? Oh my God. Very random, but yeah. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that is so powerful. I mean, you talk about putting something out there, you put it out there and it came right back to you. It did. It really did. Yeah. Now, did you ever meet Don Johnson? I didn't. I didn't. Okay. All right. Well, I'll arrange but, it. But I'll yeah, could it you please? Because sure. uh, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, let's see. I've been here for <laughs> almost 30 years. So it's about time. It's about time. <laughs> so you started a career as an au pair, but at some point something <laughs> happened because something happened that transitioned to you, what you're doing now. So take us there. Yeah, so I actually went through journalism school and I worked as a writer, editor and photographer for many years. And then I started volunteering at the county shelter in Santa Barbara and just uh, I had adopted a a rescued a Rottweiler and he was, you know, the coolest thing ever. And I just thought I wanted to give back because I started to realize that, you know, he was a backyard dog and the owner really had no clue what he was doing with this dog. And I, I kind of in a way like just made him so frustrated with me that he's like, take the dog. Um, and so, cause I, I neutered him and, you know, there was nothing that this guy wanted. You know, I, I was just, I was there every day walking this dog. I just fell in love with him. And then he gave it to him, gave him to me. But so I started volunteering at the shelter and this was ba- back in like 2005. And there were probably, I would say like 120 dogs that we cared for on wow. any given day in a shelter made for maybe, you know, with kennels enough for 40. Yeah. So dogs were living on top of each other. Some were there for like three, four years. It was just crazy. And so a group of us got together and started talking about what we could do to solve 
this problem of the dogs and cats constantly coming into the shelter and not enough adoptions and pets getting euthanized. It was, it was horrible. So we just wanted a, a community-based solution so we could prevent pet homelessness. So that's that was the idea behind Care for Paws. Where did the name Care for Paws come from? Um, that was after a couple of glasses of wine. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. With my with the co-founder Carlos Abitia, who is um, my ex-husband as well, we still work together. Um, we have a son together who is a volunteer for Care for Paws. So we were thinking about, you know, what are we going to do? What programs are we going to have? What is it going to be called? And we came up with community awareness, responsibility, and education, basically for Paws. So the care care uh, is the acronym, and then the number four, and then P A W S. So that's how it came about somehow. How difficult or easy was it? Because you're a 501c3, are you not? We are, yes. And how difficult or easy was that process? That, you know, for us, we luckily we did it at a good time. So it happened pretty quickly and there was like there were really no hiccups. We just kind of were off, you know, off running, but we had I had no idea what I was doing. I was a journalist and and here, you know, all of a sudden we're, you know, it's nonprofit accounting, it's marketing and fundraising and whole, you know, event, regular events and, and spay neuter days. And it was just, it was insane. And I was pregnant at the time with my son, Julian. So, um, yeah, I was kind of giving birth to two babies at the same time. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. So the learning curve has been enormous. I'll say that. So tell everybody this who's listening, cause you're not per se a rescue, meaning you don't have dogs, you don't have dogs in, in, in foster, you don't have dogs in a kennel, you're more of a service. Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning, actually, because we, we are a 501c3, shelters would call us and just say, hey, can you come and rescue this dog? So personally, I started out doing a lot of rescue, but the whole mission with Care for Paws is really to prevent pet homelessness, to reduce pet overpopulation, keep animals out of shelters and improve quality of life for pets and pet owners in need. So that's the premise. And so we provide these resources to community members in need, whether it's you know affordable vet care, free space and neuters, uh, low cost vaccine clinics, assistance with pet food. Uh, there's so many different things that we do to create this, you know, just the resources that the community members need so that the pets stay healthy and in their homes. So, so yeah, so no, we're not, but we do actually foster pets. Uh, We have probably three or four in foster right now. And that's one is uh, one program we have is a domestic violence uh, assistance program called safe Haven, Mm -hmm. where we realized that pet owners, um, going through, you know, experiencing domestic violence, um, couldn't go to a domestic violence shelter with their pets. So they would either have to stay behind or stay, I'm sorry, the pets would even have to stay behind or the pet owners would stay themselves, which means you know more abuse, more heartache and, you know, possibly worse things. So we are taking in these animals and putting them in foster boarding and then they can be reunited when their owners are ready. So that's one program. And then we have pet owners going through experiencing homelessness or going through hospitalization or just some temporary transition where they can't have their pets, um, especially after COVID. A lot of people are living in their cars and they can't really, what do you do if you want to, you know, go take care of yourself really. And you have three dogs living in your car, you know, with you. And it's just, it's a difficult situation for many. So we are you know, trying to help that way by taking the pets in so that the owners can have a safe, uh, you know, transition without having to worry about their animals. And then we, we reunite them in the end when they're ready. 
That's fantastic. So let's talk about COVID for a second here. Everybody's favorite subject for the last year and plus. <laughs> yeah. How did you pivot during this time? Oh boy. Cuz that's, that's a, a great... big it's a big pivot between um, you know, fundraising and 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 just even the construct of what you do. Yeah, so we basically we tripled the number of pet owners helped from wow. 2019 when we helped about 7,000 families, which was a, we've steadily every every year since 2009 when Care for Pos was co-funded, we or started, we um Every year we've been growing a lot, uh, and but nothing compared to the growth we experienced during COVID, you know, the start of COVID. So we went from helping 7,000 pet owners in a year to more than 20,000. And for example, with our mobile clinic, the the so many vet clinics, sh- you know, not shut down, but they had to limit the number of uh, pets they could take in. The Humane Societies closed for several months. All the three Humane Societies in our county um, closed for a while. So we were kind of the only kid on the block for a while. So people were coming to us, you know, they couldn't get into their vet or they couldn't no longer afford their vet or whatever the issue was, plus the pet owners we already traditionally help. So we provided 50% more uh, mobile clinic services during uh, 2020. So that's going from like 10,000 procedures to 15,000 in a year, which is a lot for a small organization. And we uh, started distributing pet food at a whole other level. So to com- for p- comparison, in 2019, and the pr- years prior, we may have distributed about two tons in a whole year, 12 months. And when COVID hit, we immediately started distributing about four tons every week. So it's just, you, yeah, you can't compare with anything. We started spending $10,000 a month on pet food going from not spending anything. So everything changed for us. Now you had a, because we came and participated, you had a pet food drive recently. And I want to talk about this for two reasons. One is tell everybody what you did, but also this servicing area, because you guys are in, you're in Santa Maria, you're in Lompoc and Santa Barbara. Yeah, we cover the whole, we cover all of Santa Barbara County. So all the way from Carp through, you know, Santa Barbara, the Goleta, the Valley, uh, Lompoc, Santa Maria, uh, Guadalupe, and then even all the way out to New Cuyama, which is, it's a, you know, from Santa Maria, it's more than a, an hour long drive. So it's, it's way out there, but we, we are, we help those pet owners as well. Uh, there's no vet clinic there. There is no pet store, I believe. So we just, they need a lot of help. And you guys did a, well, your organization did a pet food drive recently that had locations where we could drop off on our own at any time, right? Bins and stuff. But then you had actual days where it was like this time to this time, come see us and the truck will be there. Yeah. So we, uh, so yeah, there are many ways we've actually gone about this. We've had, we have, um, thank, thank God for all the wonderful businesses and and uh, our agent, nonprofit agency partners that have just stepped up in a beautiful way to to allow pet owners to come and drop off food that then we pick up and distribute in the community. So, uh, so we have those businesses that are you know throughout the year will take uh, like Plaza Deli and La Cumbre Plaza or and Dog and uh, La Cumbre Feed. There are so many places that help us like that, and then. Uh, and also County Animal Services and ASAP and Rescue Cats. So so we have those groups and businesses we partner with. But then in addition, we'll do these drives regularly. So we did our first donation drive through because we people, you know, still afraid of COVID. And this was in April, end of April. And people, you know, we wanted to give people a chance to give in a way they felt safe. So we set up uh, locations throughout Santa Barbara County over two days where people could just 
drive through it like you like you did and drop off food and and then we would we actually had people right there and then volunteers who were bagging the food to go out for distribution and we raised several tons and we raised uh, I believe it was thirty thousand dollars all in all through you know donations that people would drop off or send us online if they couldn't drop off food so it was really a wonderful community effort that's amazing that's amazing I was with my aunt Vicky and we had gone up to Lompoc to get our first or second shot of the vaccine. I don't remember which one it was. Actually, it had to have been the second. So we were coming back down and she was telling me about it and that she was going to go over there. I was like, oh yeah, maybe Jim and I'll stop by. And and then I come home and I tell Jim and Jim's like, let's go, let's go to the pet store. And I'm like, we're not going to the pet store. We're going to the discount. Uh, <laughs> I went to that discount grocery store that we have. That's uh, not far up De La Vina uh, grocery outlet. And I found a deal. I was like, why are these bags of, and it was good food. It was like, it was, it was wilderness or it was one of the top brand, like, you know, pricey brands. And they were like, it was like $3 and 99 cents for a 25 pound bag. We just started loading them in the cart and like, let's go, let's go. Here we go. And then it was funny because there were people coming down the aisle for the exact same reason, saying, are you going, o- going over to that? Oh. So I was like, that was really cool to see the community of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, when you guys showed up, it was kind of like Christmas. You know, it was wonderful. And seeing just seeing the cars coming by, you know, regular steady flow. And sometimes there was a line of cars for people wanting to drop off. You know, we really had no idea. When I think we, I believe we started at 10 in the morning and I was standing there going, what if no one shows up? That's- what are we going to do? <laughs> That's everyone's fear for everything. Yeah, that's, it's true. It's true. And then the next day, so we had we were at Earl Warren, as you know, yep. where you stopped by. And then we were also at Decker's in Goleta, which was wonderful. They they offered up their parking lot for a, for a fee of a dollar. Oh, <laughs> so that was okay. so cool. And um, and then the next day we were in Lompoc and Santa Maria. But, uh, but we we were kind of way out there in Santa Maria. But it. So, so further than most people wanted to drive, I'm sure, right. but um, at, at the Elks out in the road, um, rodeo fields and, but people still showed up, you know, it's, it's, I felt like we're kind of in, we're in the middle of nowhere, but people showed up with, with uh, food and monetary donations and supplies. It was just it's such a heartwarming weekend to see the community come together like that. And the media stepped in and uh, gave us great coverage, which continued kind of the promotion for you know, the services and everything. So it was truly wonderful. You know, I work for the United Way and I work for the American Cancer Society. And there are times when people want to make a cash donation, monetary donation is times when they don't. And sometimes when you give them a task, and we used to have this thing called daffodil days. And for $5, you got a bunch of daffodils that were like, all you have to do is put them in water and they open like the next day. And they stayed alive for about a week and a half or something silly. But we found this whole deal of like, as you've learned in what you do is sometimes when you give people a task and you say, here's the task, here's what we need, they respond differently than if it's just give me money. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's true. I think people, um, you know, yeah, the way fundraising is, it's, there's so many aspects of it, you know, so for, for, you know, some people, it's like you said, like a task that they perform or, you know, for some it's volunteering and maybe donating food or donating one time every year. For some people, they may not have time to volunteer. So they just want to give, you know, throughout the year or one time a year, you know, a larger sum. So it, it just comes together beautifully in the end where everybody's pitching in the way that is meaningful to them. Now your family back in Sweden, what do they think of all this? 
Oh, that yeah, they they <laughs> they <laughs> they uh, have watched this grow, obviously, and um, I'm you know I'm sure they're they're a little bit concerned about the workload sometimes <laughs> when sure, I, sure. they don't hear from me for a while and I'm like it's I've been working a lot but they uh, no they're so supportive and they love this and there's not really anything like this in Sweden people may give but not in this way like there's just I think they're surprised when I you know so during COVID our budget actually doubled to over a million wow. so expenses doubled but also our income mm. you know which was beautiful to see and so you know when I told when I tell people about that back home my friends and my family they're just just blown away that people are so generous that they would do that it's just I think maybe it's not the European mentality you know to give that way but it's certainly the American mentality it's it is interesting there's also just been a shift in in how we um treat one another especially in the last year and a half and with all the GoFundMe campaigns for good reasons and for Difficult reasons. So I think mm-hmm. it does shift like that. Now, let me ask you a question about Sweden, because I'm fascinated. Sweden, how are animals treated there? And how is how do they treat it in society? You know, it's, it's, you know, things have changed since I moved, you know, so many years ago. Um, I, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, back in the day, everybody bought a purebred and, and you kind of just, and your dog lives inside with you. So there's not really backyard dog and the weather obviously influences that um but you know so you would just take your it was just you take your dog for a walk three times a day it's just you uh, it's a definitely different mentality for many people here who kind of some of them stick their dogs in the backyard and don't really care but not not so much anymore like what we saw in the beginning of care for paws there was a lot of that now people are, are incorporating their pets more pets are more family members um which you know so and that's been wonderful uh wonderful to see a, a transition in many ways and but yeah in general yeah you you i feel like you spend more maybe more time with your pets or many people spend more time with their pets i should say because there are some obviously so many wonderful pet owners in the united states so i don't mean to dismiss that in any way it's just a little different um over there and, and they, again like the spaying and neutering people weren't really so concerned about that when I was growing up and maybe because you didn't have multiple pets in a household for the most part you would have the one pet you know for life um there weren't really any shelters now they have some shelters um and they adopt out pets but it's not at all like here there's just it's very different you don't really see stray dogs um and I remember there were a lot of summer cats, we called them, where people went to their summer homes and then they had a kitten and then they left the cat behind, which always, always broke my heart. Uh, so some people may still be doing that. But um, yeah, it, it's 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 different. But people, you know, people care a lot about their pets, I think, around the world. How many animals do you personally have? I am down to four dogs. Would you like a grumpy old man cat? No, that's okay. (laughs) We have three dogs and we have a cat. And our cat is a punk. He's always been a punk. And then he did the shift because he's 10 now. So like about a year ago, he started to do that weird shift of like, now I think I might like you people. And so like he now has entered the room and he um, he has pushed the little dog out of her space every night. 
and he has claimed it as his space. And she looks at him like, ah, you know, and then she's, and they'll sleep back to back, but he's just a grumpy old man cat. Um, which is weird because I had the greatest cat. I had like one of those uncat cats. Like I'm one of those jerks who goes, oh, my cat's more like a dog and everyone's rolling their eyes. Okay. Whatever, Steve. Um, but I did have like, <laughs> I had the greatest cat of all time. He wasn't a cat and he wasn't a dog. I used to call him like a, a live Muppet. He was just the craziest, craziest damn thing you've ever seen in your life. And my old dog, Hubie, and him knew each other since babies. And I don't think either one knew they were different. So they just were like best pals, cleaned each other, lay with each other and all these things. So on that note, what do you think the difference is between a cat person and a dog person? Or is there a difference? I hear this all the time where people say, you know, I'm not a dog person or I'm not a cat person. And I always, I always had dogs. And then suddenly, actually, we went to, you know, ASAP, the cat shelter. Uh, when I was married with Carlos, we went to the ASAP fundraiser and we heard all these stories about cats needing homes. And they did such a good job just, you know, promoting the costs and, and trying to promote the adoptable animals. And I was standing there listening to this and I said, yeah, I wish we could have a cat, but we can't because we have five or six dogs. There was always five, six, seven dogs, you know, a few in foster going out to adoption and all that. So we come home from that fundraiser and there's a cat sitting on our porch. Oh my God. What? Yep. And <laughs> you this- did it again. You have to stop saying what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So this cat is just sitting there. I'm going, who is this cat? You know, like, and he just stuck around. And the next day we were working in the yard and he just hung out. Like he was, he adopted us right there on the spot. And then I found out through a neighbor, someone had just drove, driven up. This was in Buellton, driven up, opened the door and dumped the cat on the road. Uh, yeah. So then he came to us and, and we named it, or actually my, our, our son named him Kitty Cat. Uh, for originality, you know, very original, but very cute. So Kitty Cat was the first cat. And then suddenly, and then uh, Carlos was then working at ASAP. So then he brought home another cat and then more cats were dumped on our road. So we ended up with five cats. We had five cats and five dogs somehow. So, you know, in terms of being a cat or dog person, I think once you, once you really, if you didn't have a cat before, but you get one, you just realize they're, they're different from dogs a lot of times, but there's just a different, you know, you'd love that. It's, it's just, yeah, I feel like if you love animals, you love animals and you just, um, I, I love the cats so much and, uh, yeah. And this, this, the dogs and cats did not get along. I would say that. So it was separating the whole house, five cats in the back, five dogs in the front. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how that can happen. The pets adopt you. Yeah. We have a boy boy thing going on over here. Like the boy dog and the boy cat go at each other, but the girls and the boys all get along. The other two ah. female dogs is very interesting. And my, my dog Mason gets all worked up. Like if you're making dinner and the cat even like glances into the <laughs> dining room, he's like, he gets all crazy and we have to yell at him. So uh, that, that's always fun. I think, I think honestly that there are just human characteristics that they take on. I feel like the energy that we have is filtered through them to some degree. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I think so too. And you, actually what you just described it reminds me of like having, you know, three, four kids, siblings that are constantly bickering about, you know, about something. It sounded, it sounded kind of like that. That's what your pets yeah. are doing. <laughs> what would you today, XX age, tell 15 or 16 year old Isabel? If you could speak to her. Use more sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
That's perfect. Do you want to say anything else? <laughs> I always think of it actually um, because my I was when I was an au pair. We so coming from Sweden, we love the summer, but the rest of the year it's kind of you know it's overcast or cold and snowy and whatever it is. I would I came here and I would be on the beach. On the weekends, I'd be off and I would stay on the beach from like eight in the morning to like six at night. Literally, I would come home like red. But you have this saying in Swedish, Swedish where you're kind of like, oh, yeah, you're really red now, but it's going to be brown tomorrow. So that was kind of our thing. Like we didn't care if we were bright red. We would just be brown the next day. So one of the girls I was a, a nanny for, I uh, had this extra gig with these really cool kids. And the girl, Lindsay, she looked at me one day. She's like, do you guys not, did you not learn about sunscreen in Sweden? And it's just, it's stuck with me for all these years. So we still joke about that. So I guess, I guess we didn't because you just wanted to soak up the sun so badly. But yeah. So any other lessons I would give myself to not, I guess, uh, hmm, it's a good question um, because there's so many unknowns. There's still unknowns when you're approaching 50. I know you said XX, but I, you know, I am approaching 50. So I, uh, you, you learn a lot, but you still have, a, you still have a lot of things to learn. But when you're a teenager, you're kind of like, you're insecure about everything and you're not sure what's going to happen. And I'm not sure, maybe just like, don't sweat the small stuff so much. Now here's the last three questions of this fantastic conversation we were having. And you know, all the answers, so don't panic. This is how we close every show. Here's the best one. Where do people find you? Where do people find Care for Pause? Plug away and tell them how they can support. Yeah, so there, there are a few different ways. Our website, obviously, is a, just a wealth of resources. Um, you can learn about our services and you know our clinics, see our clinic schedule for the mobile clinic. You can learn about our educational programs, which we have a few. We have a youth program called Pulse Up for Pets, for example. And so there are a lot of, there's a lot of information on our website, which is Care for Pause, C-A-R-E, the number four, P-A-W-S.org. And you can also, if you want to contribute to the cost, you, there, there are many ways to do so. Um, and there's a donate button on every single page. So you can't <laughs> miss that. You can also go to our social media pages. We're on fa- Facebook and Instagram. Um, we post there almost daily, just the stories of our work in the community, uh, happy tales from pet owners we help. So that way you can stay up, you know, to um, kind of stay up on, on what we're doing at the moment. Uh, here's the next two questions. They can go back to anything we've already talked about or anything you want to say. Question number one is who inspires you? Hmm. That's a good question. Can I say Don Johnson? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody once said, Oh, um, uh, Jake Faree said Matthew McConaughey. And we both started laughing because he had just gotten done listening to some Ted talk about Matthew McConaughey. And he's like, I want to be Matthew McConaughey's new best friend. So if he can have him, you can have Don Johnson. (laughs) Well, maybe not really, but yeah, I just actually, um, bought a book by, uh, Matthew McConaughey. So yeah, I, I need to read that. Uh, but I have about 25 books on my nightstand. So one at a time. Uh, sure. over, over the next decade, uh, who inspires me? I think, you know, there, there's, there are a lot of people out there who do so many good things, but I think honestly, I feel inspired just like, for example, when we did the event, the drive-through just inspired of looking at all the volunteers who were there to help out the whole day, just to, 
uh, to be a part of, of the cost, to be a part of, of the food distribution program and everything else that Care for Balls is doing. And then the people showing up, like you guys, showing up to drop off food and donations. And so I feel like, I, I feel inspired every day by just so many acts of kindness. It's it's pretty amazing what people do out there and, um, you know, what at whatever scale they're able to do it at. And the final question that we end every show with, you make me nervous. No, don't worry. Don't get nervous. <laughs> Unless you go back to the really early shows when I used to do these in a different order. It's really simple. Tell me something good. Something good. Um, well, my dogs are doing really great. They're all sleeping on my bed. <laughs> uh, something good. Um, I would say Care for Paws is helping to do a lot of good in the community. And um, that I feel great about. Um, we are on track to help at least 20,000 pet owners again this year. Uh, we're going to be performing about 2,200 space and neuters and help more than 2,000 pets with free and low-cost vet care. Uh, we're going to continue distributing a couple of tons of pet food every week for as long as it's needed. We'll continue providing foster care. We'll continue to work with kids to promote compassion and empathy for all living beings. And and so there's that's that's all good. Thank you, Isabel, for sharing your good. Check out the Care for Paws website and start following them on Instagram and Facebook. Let's do some good for our furry friends with tails. Next time on World Gone Good. Uh, I just want to create great art that's useful to other people. I, I Hopefully that stands the test of time, but ultimately I just want to be useful to my fellow man. Singer-songwriter Drew Stevens has been performing his entire life. He shared the stage with everyone from Disco Queen, Thelma Houston, to country legends, the Charlie Daniels Band. His music has been featured on TV series like Rizzoli and Isles and web series like Pretty. Yes, that was a self-plug. Deal with it. And of course, he made it all the way to the finale of America's Got Talent. Drew joins me to share the good of music, staying present, and saying yes to whatever comes your way. I hope you'll join me. Until then... Be good.